Welcome to The Savvy Founder, the one place for entrepreneurs and business owners, away from the everyday bustle, where we help you find your path to a profitable and bright future. Now here's your host, The Savvy Founder and armchair sociologist himself, Philip Topham. Hello and welcome to The Savvy Founder. I'm Philip Topham, your host, and I am very happy to have Shilpa Sharma here in the virtual studio. Where are you calling from today, Shilpa? Hi. Hi, Philip. Nice to meet you today again. Uh, I'm calling from Toronto. Excellent. Wonderful. International. We got an international yeah. podcast going on. North yes. America United. Yeah. Let's, let's call it that. So uh, we bet that the proverbial uh, networking, getting connected, and you have a very interesting uh, company and, and journey yourself that you want to share. And with that, why don't you let people know first, what, what is Flight AI? And you know, who's, who's Shopa and what's Flight AI? Why don't we start there? Sure. Um, let me first start with my background, and then I will tell you how Flight AI came into picture. Um, I come from finance and tech background, so started my career with JP Morgan. So I was on trading floor leading tech operations there, and then I decided to do an MBA, so moved to France for a year and did my MBA from NCIRD. And then I moved to Japan. So lived there for three years, worked for Intel Corporation in business development capacity, very close to sales teams. So got a lot of enterprise B2B engagements with Intel. So data center, IoT businesses. And from there, I came back to Canada and uh, worked with another company um, in internal consulting role before I came across a conversation with one of my friends. So my co-founder and I, we were just having a casual conversation and it was an offhand comment from a friend who is an account executive in top business consulting firm. He mentioned how he spends 30% of his time just updating customer uh, relationship management platforms. That's CRMs, mostly HubSpot. That's crazy, 30, 30% of the time, right? I know, I've been exactly. there. I, I, as a, as a <laughs> podcast host, I even putting in data for the guests that are coming on the show, it takes a long time to do that. And, to, to... and for salespeople, it's a lot. Like uh, they are the oxygen for a company. They are bringing like revenue and the deals. And when we both heard that, we were surprised. Like uh, you struggle with the admin tasks while managing back-to-back -back meetings with your clients. So this started a conversation and myself coming from business development background, we were like, let's try to see if this is a broad enough problem. So I started talking to uh, sales individuals, but didn't stop there engaged with marketing professionals as well to try to understand how much time they spend on taking notes and just jotting down details for follow-up conversations. So, so was that I was your, I gotta, that, uh, sorry to interrupt, but was that, was that your normal way of solving problems that you normally, if you, you come across something, you just ask a bunch of people? Um, I come from business development background, but haven't done the sales job yet. But when we heard something like that, we needed a validation. So that's okay. the reason we wanted to 
get some customer sense before we go deeper into tech side. Right. So it's right. always a good practice to understand the problem from customer point of view, then trying to solve ourselves and doing something which may require rebuilding or redoing those things if you are not confirmed that the customer is needing that thing. So that's why we went to the customer side first, but we wanted to explore tech side as well, because if we are trying to solve a problem which is not technically feasible, then that's not a like solution to a problem at all. So my co-founder, who is a product development person, he has background in AI and SaaS background before he started looking at tech. Actually, we were looking at speech to text at the time. So we were just trying to explore if there's something and how brilliant this technology is, given it's been more than a decade now, people are working on it, but how like mature this uh, technology is. So we were just like having some conversations about it. And when we got this problem, we were like, uh, let's explore it further. So it's really right. started with a casual conversation and then turned into the idea and then business uh, later on. At what point did you know, you know, with all these conversations that you said, something's really here. This is really real. Like, it's not just everybody saying, oh yeah, that's a problem we have. That's nice. You know, your baby looks nice. It's pretty. Yeah, we agree. It's a problem. Go fix it. Right. When did you really know this is the right thing to solve? So that's the thing. Uh, I have talked to more than 400 individuals in like three to four months after we realized like, this is a problem which is prevalent. And um, as I mentioned, like, it's not just salespeople. We were talking to a lot more individuals to understand if this is a problem because we wanted to identify if this is an immediate problem or it's uh, good to have, like they can still like live with, without right. having any solution to that. And that's where this product market fit uh, conversation started happening. Uh, but at that time uh, we were part of founder Institute, which is idea stage accelerators. So they encouraged us to go and talk to as many potential customers as possible. But we realized there is a problem here. People were like, if you give me this, this will save me like one hour, two hours every day, which is like in five days going to save me like 10, 11 hours. And that's a lot of like revenue. If you look at like sales or marketing, any frontline managers, if they are dealing with direct clients, if you talk to project managers, or if you talk to other profiles within a company, maybe they have a lot of calls, but right. they don't need a solution right away because they are not dealing with any conversation, which is like, very critical, not, I won't say critical, but something that's directly impacting the revenue as opposed to the salespeople who need it because if they are having back-to-back -back conversations, they need something like that. So that's where it started. But we like soon enough, we realize it's not just the note taking. If we are talking to 40 individuals in a company and all of them having these conversations, then they required something which is called analytics. They wanted to understand if 20 sales representatives are talking to their clients, what kind of conversations are happening if a company is losing a deal or if they are winning a deal? What are the reasons behind that? So we started gathering information about when we talk to sales leaders and sales representatives, right. there were different conversations. And we quickly realized there was more emphasis on understanding the analytics behind it. So if you're having a conversation, can we use conversational AI and kind of extract those analytics that are unspoken words like sentiments, like engagement score, inquisitiveness, curious. 
if those things can be extracted, then sales leader can better understand if they can close more deals in a month or in a quarter. Um, and with reason, the data. So it was more of a data-driven decision-making for sales leaders if they adopt similar solution as flight. So, so you used the word conversational AI. Can you expand on that? What does that mean for the average salesperson? You know, that's that's going to use your product. What what does that mean to them? How do they understand? How should they understand it? Uh, Conversational AI meaning, uh, for example, we are having a conversation right now. There is a technology that converts this speech into text. That's transcription. It's a commodity today that you can get many vendors who are providing transcription. They are more than 95% accurate. Uh, You can get that. But for a 30-minute conversation or 45-minute conversation, there's a lot of text that's developed uh, in that one conversation. So if you want to go back, listen to an audio or read the entire transcript. It's again, time consuming. So whether you take notes or try to capture those unspoken words or kind of unspoken things that are part of a conversation, then it's hard and it's time consuming. Conversational AI is enabling these companies to extract those analytics using AI uh, without having to spend a lot of hours. Those are the things that we extract and that that can be automated for 200 agents or salespeople. It's almost impossible to uh, gather those insights that the AI can capture and give them the results. Nice. So you you had said also that, uh, so that tells me how you came up with the idea and you saw this going forward. But you also said you were part of the Founder Institute Accelerator at the time. So when did you go from your idea to saying, hey, I need to join an accelerator to do something? Uh, We joined Founder Institute because like both of us co-founders are first time founders and we wanted to understand a little bit more from experienced entrepreneurs. And that's the reason we joined Founder Institute. We were idea stage, a little bit of like working on MVP was happening at the time. And that was January, 2021, when we graduated from FI was a three months program. And after that, after three months of working on or like building the product, getting some wireframes done, Techstars invited us to join their cohorts. So in July, we were having conversations with uh, with Techstars and that was the further validation that we were on to something. Given the traction, given the development on product and our pipeline, they were really impressed and they wanted us to join their cohort. So we started working with like a lot of mentors from Techstars as well. And that's when we actually launched our MVP when we were part of it. And thanks to the entire Techstars crew, like uh, it's a global community. It's not just the Techstars mentors and managing director. It's like the global community of the founders who are part of the entire ecosystem. They were ready to work with us, help us wherever we needed. And that's where we narrowed our focus. So we were like, okay, this is a note-taking platform. We do some data insights. We capture that. Uh, but soon enough, we realized this is a this is a problem with like salespeople as like compared with marketing or probably product or right. project managers. That's where we saw the real problem. So we started narrowing our focus and Techstars was a great foundation to uh, begin with. And when you were doing that, uh, the part part of Techstars and Founder Institute, were you doing that remotely from Toronto or? Yeah. 
We didn't, so we didn't how, how was that experience yet. remote remotely participating in an accelerator versus you know going to a building in the classroom uh, i think uh during pandemic people learned that uh being virtual wasn't that uh that probably uh difficult i, I would say because uh i think uh for software businesses in b2b SaaS businesses, you really need to develop a product. It's not something that you have to be in constant relationship. Although with Techstars, we visited like um, the accelerator, we were in person a couple of times. So we used to just travel, it was easier for us to just go. So we had orientation, demo day, everything in person. Uh, for rest of the time, when we were having conversations, we were developing a product, developing our pipeline, that was all virtual. So it was kind of hybrid which worked pretty good for us because when we needed like one-on-one -on -one conversation in person, we were there. When we didn't need it, we were, we were here like working from home and uh, we kind of developed everything ourselves uh, sitting from Toronto. Nice. So, so one question that always comes up when, when people join an accelerator and there was you and your co-founder, there's they always want to know, you know, how do you pay for it? Right. Did you quit your job? Did you, did you know, have a rich uncle? How, how did you pay for, you know, Put a roof over your head and food on the table while you were, you know, full time at a, an accelerator. Um, with TechStars, uh, they invest uh, initial pre-seed money and they give uh, some more funding on uh, like travel and everything that is associated with the program. So we raised our first pre-seed uh, when we were part of TechStars. So um, that enabled us to be full-time and working on um, like our business as well. So when you're in the founder industry, you were part-time. Yes. that's Okay. Right. So you're able to do part-time, do so well in the founder Institute that you were really picked up with tech stars right away. So that was, that was your people believed in the, in the problem you had found. Yeah, exactly. We wanted to we wanted to believe in the idea. We wanted to understand if people are willing to pay for something that we are building. So all those validations were required before we go full time to make sure that all all the things you just talked about, having the roof and everything, should be in place when we are going full time into the business. So we took care of that by being part time while we were part of Founder Institute. Yeah. And so when you when you got accepted, uh, was it? Was there still some doubt, like, should we quit our jobs and go forward? Or was it like, no, this is the thing we're going to do? Was, was, were both of you gung-ho or were, was one like, eh, let's check this out. Let's think about this. I think uh, as a startup founder, uh, like you always have like uh, thing, like small feeling, like, of course, uh, this may go further or this may not, but that's the risk you take uh, when you build something of your own. But the passion, uh, the kind of success you see, it kinds of validate, kind of like validates that uh, you are onto something. So it's a feeling that like when I was part-time um, in FI, I knew it's just the beginning. I'm trying to understand if this is going to work I was trying to do the customer development myself, going into right. some legal part as well, how to build a team, everything I was trying to figure out. But when Techstars invited us, we got the confidence that there is something going on here. When you start seeing people looking at the platform, you have the MVP, you are launching it and people see and they're like, this is something I want. 
they are already committing to uh, like giving you letter of intent or giving you confirmation that this is something that we would want to buy once you launch it, uh, you start getting confidence that uh, you want to go all in. Of course, maybe after a year or so, people realize that they don't have enough traction and things change in startup world. But this is something that probably founders believe in themselves and they go ahead with the confidence they have uh, after talking to a lot of people. Nice. So you've gone a long way since January of 2021. It's a long, long ways. So where, where's Flight, Flight AI now? What, what's, what's your, what is your product and what's, what's your traction? Sure. Uh, so initially, when we launched our note-taking platform, we started building our pipeline. We had, we had more than 500 users who started signing up within like a couple months when we launched it. And then we, not, we narrowed our focus because to build a platform that has enough integrations and all the features that are built for a particular like industry, we started focusing on salespeople. Now we are completely like B2B. And today we have more than like um, 10, 15 companies who are um, using Flight for their um, sales organization. And we are continuing to build our pipeline. Nice. And it, it works really well then for B2B. It's not like a B2C. It's not a, you know, it's not a, I guess somebody just, uh, telemarketing, calling individual users. Exactly. Like uh, if you are completely direct to customer B2C product, then you invest a lot of like effort, your resources into marketing because you need to reach out to broad audience. But for B2B, it worked out pretty well for us, uh, given we have leveraged uh, our network and we used uh, uh, network from Techstars as well to be able to get our initial clients because that making from zero to one, that's something that is the biggest hurdle. And then once you have the stamp of approval from initial four or five clients, you start repeating the process and make it more scalable. So that initial turn was, was something that's instrumental. And once that happened, you, get, you start getting confidence that you can repeat the process. Nice. Are you, uh, so in that process, one of the, one of the pieces is uh, North star metric or what, you know, what's your key metric or key, key performance indicator or OKRs, you know, objects, key results. Do you have any of those that you're, you're really focused on that, you know, you're, you're, you're aiming towards? Uh, we aim towards uh, getting the companies that we target. So our ICP is, having the sales leaders and mid-sized tech companies on our platform. So every month we keep a target of number of companies that we want to onboard. We work towards that and try to achieve our goals. Nice. And have you been able to yet figure out, you know, with the use of your product, how much time they save on average? Uh, on an average, uh, every day it saves more than like hour and a half for one salesperson. So it, it's a lot of like revenue on top line as well as bottom line for a mid-sized company uh, uh, for, to save. Yeah, even if only half the time converts to sales, sales time, that's a lot of extra revenue that, they can, that a company can build, you know. Totally, totally. It, it adds up really very fast. Uh, and and you're it's, based- it's not just a, sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah. What I was gonna ask is uh, 
in that, uh, the, the next question I was going to sort of ask is, you're based in Toronto, the company's based in Toronto, but you're selling uh, just to North America or, or globally? Uh, so Flight is a US-based company. It's a Delaware C-Corp. Uh, most of our clients are based in US and Canada. And it's because of uh, we wanted to have our focus in North America in the beginning. Uh, first of all, because of language, uh, we apply a lot of like NLP that's applicable to English language. So that's one reason we want to stay in uh, uh, North America. And then we need to work on GDPR compliance before we go to the UK and Europe. So once we like explore this market, which is big enough, um, we'll try to explore international markets. Got it. Now, in, in your own journey of going from asking a bunch of people, like you, asking 400 people is, is a lot, right? Uh, which is fantastic. Is there anything that you would say for somebody behind you, you know, that's, that's interviewing people, was there anything you learned about how to ask those questions so that you get the best information from people? Is there any tricks to asking for help? That's a, that's a, that's a great question. Cause that's something we also figured out when we were interviewing people. It's the one thing uh, you have to let that person speak. When you said there's a problem, do you experience something like that? Don't propose a solution in the beginning. Just let them speak and try to listen, like what kind of solution they are thinking in their mind, and then construct your pitch, then construct how you want to build a product. If you start proposing the solution, then people would be like, yeah, that could be the solution. And they start stopping. They stop thinking and they are like, yeah, you said it right. This is the solution. Instead of that, try to listen, give them open-ended questions, not close-ended where yes or no, and that's it. It has to be, and you need to understand the need to a point where they need to tell you like, when do they feel like they need something like that? They, you need to discover the entire day of a salesperson in our case and you need to understand at what stage, at what time in a day, they really need something like that. You need to understand what type of people are giving you those kind of recommendation. And you go back when you build your product, launch it, sell it to those people. You need to know these type of people in this city, in this demography, in this uh, kind of job, in this industry, everything should be figured out because if it is too broad, then you are building a solution that's not good for anyone. So really product market fit is something that we also realized over time. It took a couple of months. Sometimes companies take even years to figure out the product market fit. So you really need to know what yep. you're building and who will use it. Yeah, I, I really like what you said. Don't, don't offer up your solution. You need to keep them thinking, right? Otherwise they stop thinking, right? You want their brain power telling you what they want and what they need to build. And I think that's, that's a very important advice for people. Too often we, oh, what about this? Would you like the color red? And the person says, yeah, oh, that's all good. And they stop thinking instead of saying, no, I think that, that, that makes your product look not very good or it should be blue, it should be pink, or I really want it to, to speak Italian to me. I have no idea what people will say, but you just have to listen sometimes. Um, in, in all of that stuff, that's a, that's a um, really fantastic to hear how you 
we're able to see a problem, work on it part-time, get in a program and, and validate it so quickly in a very short amount of time, have a product with, with uh, you know, customers that are, that are recurring revenues. If you, you know, look back at what you've done, what would you say to your younger self when you started on this journey? Is there anything that you would have liked to have done better or different or you wish you knew before you started? Yes, there are a lot of learnings, but the one thing that stands out is uh, do more research uh, before implementing. So sometimes it may seem like this is taking longer and you should just go ahead and implement it. You have enough data. You really need to know because when you go back and rebuild something, that takes additional time, effort, and resources. As a startup, you have small teams, you have limited resources. So you really need to understand and validate everything that you're doing. I'm sure like for first time founders, things are first time and uh, you try to do a lot with limited resources, but give, give like enough thought to every action. And even if, whether it's like acquiring a customer, try to understand a lot about them before reaching out, before you send out first email, you need to know if this is the right person to reach out to. You don't want to spend a lot of time on someone who is not going to be your customer. Similarly, on the product, you really need to, so you engaged with probably 10 or 20 people in the beginning, partner with them. They should come back probably after a month or two months and right. then show them this is what, so they should be part of the journey. So when you come to a point where you're launching your product or your services, they should be the ones who are kind of like ambassadors for your company. You, will, you won't believe it. Like when people start investing their energy in your product and they know like I have put like a lot of effort, they start partnering with you. They start speaking about your product right. to other individuals. So it becomes more of like the way people say product-led growth, this becomes like ambassador-led growth or something where Absolutely. you start proliferating your platform and referral is, referral is the best sales technique than anything else. So try to bring them on board, continue the journey with them and think twice before you start implementing something because having the right strategy is the most important thing uh, in a startup with limited resources. Excellent. Another question sort of related to that and probably the last one we have time for often when you're building a new product, we always talk about the early adopters and, and early adopters are the people that they're actively have a pain. They actively, you know, they have a pain, like in this case, sales problem and that sort of stuff. And there's, they're exactly going out there trying to solve their pain. They're, they're investigating new software. They're looking at they're they're willing to do something completely different uh, because they're so dissatisfied. Did you find that true in your journey that, that there was certain people that were actively looking for better sales solutions before you talked to them or, or were they all salespeople, just, you know, companies looking for better solutions? Uh, the one thing that we kind of figured out that uh, salespeople are usually inundated with a lot of softwares um, and, but, the, but they are always like, if there's a new technology, they are intrigued about that. They want to see what's in the market because if something is solving their problem and making them like close more deals, they are always intrigued about that. And if it's a great solution, uh, they come forward and they're like, we want to try it out. That's one thing. 
uh, talking about early adopters, uh, you will find a few people who are early adopters and they would like to see the product very early on. Even if you feel like this is not ready right now, they'd be like, okay, whatever technology you have, I want to test it out. They are so eager to see like new technologies, but they get disappointed very fast as well. So if this is something that they tried and they feel like, oh, this is not working, it's a nascent product right now, uh, they will lose interest very fast as well. Compared to if you go further on the curve when adoption goes further, uh, there are more practical people who try to see a lot of validation. They go into social proof, they go into review sites right. and then make a decision. But they then adopt the solution for a long time. So these type of customers, and they vary. You need early adopters when you are in the market and you're new, uh, but you need those practical people who are usually part of enterprises and mid-sized companies. They, valid, they see the validation across the market, but then they buy the product for their entire team and they stick to it for years. So you need to balance between the two and uh, try to be part of both the segments and try to launch yeah. the product in a way that doesn't take that long to go to the market. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, our time has come coming to a close. It's been absolutely wonderful. We've talked about accelerators, startups, getting from an accelerator to an incubator, product market fit, getting out and talking to tons of people and making sure you ask good questions and listen and pay attention. It's been wonderful. Thank you for sharing your wisdom so another founder can shorten their own journey. If they've learned just one little thing, I'm sure it's it's helped them. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Philip. It was great meeting you today and great chatting with you. Appreciate yeah. it. Now, is, is there, if uh, people want to get a hold of you, I'll, I'll is there, are they able to get a hold of you? And I'll have that in the show notes. Is you know, sir. Sure. Uh, uh, go ahead. Uh, connect on LinkedIn or Twitter, and I would be happy to connect. We can bounce around ideas. If you have more ideas about our platform, or if you want to share your story, uh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Excellent. That's wonderful. So thanks again. I'm Philip Topham. It's been an absolute great show. If you've enjoyed the show, enjoyed listening to Shilpa and share her advice, it helps you shorten your journey. Please share it with another founder, those so they too can shorten their journey. I'm Philip Topham, host of The Savvy Founder, wishing you a bright and profitable future in both your business and personal lives. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and check out our website for tips, thesavvyfounder.com. You can also follow Philip on Clubhouse at The Savvy Founder, wishing you a profitable and bright future. Safe journeys. See you next week.